Welcome to the Difference Makers podcast presented by Waterproof. I'm your host, Justin Tamani. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the top coaches, brand managers, and athletes on earth. From starting out to where they are now, we'll explore the journey of how they became a Difference Maker. Before we keep going, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to hear more from the Difference Makers. Wadproof Bionic is a revolutionary mobile technology to measure and improve your mobility, flexibility, and range of motion. After completing a series of mobility tests, Bionic has everything needed to build the daily sessions tailored to your body. Bionic will help you perform and recover faster than ever. Ready to become Bionic? Download the Wadproof app now. All right, here we go. We are live, guys. This is the Difference Makers podcast. My name is Justin Tamani. I will be your host today. Today, we have with us a very special guest. Today, we have Michelle Aubrey on the podcast. So, Michelle Aubrey is a good friend of mine. Um, she is a life coach for business owners and entrepreneurs all over the world. They range from startups to multi million dollar enterprises. Ooh, that's a big word. Enterprises. And you typically work with CEOs and some some pretty high functioning individuals, right? Mm-hmm. I sure do. Awesome. So thank you, Michelle. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's so nice to be here. And thanks so much for asking me. Um, it's always a real honor when I get to jump on other people's podcasts. So I'm really grateful. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> so tell us how you got started with all this, and then we'll kind of tie everything all together here. But um, how did you get started? with the life coaching business, with working with business owners, um, where did this all begin for you? Well, coaching started, uh, I think it's about five and a half years now. I moved to Canada in 2016 and I wanted to impact people in a really profound way. At the time, I was running a boxing company called Evolution Me and we used boxing training, like fighting boxing training. Uh, as a stress relief and an empowerment tool for women. And so before I lived in Canada, I was living in London in the UK. And our business, our unique selling point was that we trained women outside in the park. So we had classes at lunchtime. We had them after work times around 5 p.m., 6 p.m. And we would have all of these women come from the offices, whether it was in the middle of the day or the end of the day, and we'd do boxing training with them. We used it as a stress relief and an empowerment tool. And from there, I realized that there was a gift that I had to facilitate conversations that really moved the needle forward for people that got them a little bit more responsible with what they were doing in their world, the way that they were speaking to their bosses, the way they were relating to their colleagues. But I didn't really know what I was doing. So when I moved here, I started looking for a a coach and leadership training program. Um, I knew I had a gift, but I was fundamentally aware that I had no idea really what I was doing. Um, So I got trained. I went through a 12-month extensive coach and leadership training program with an organization called Accomplishment Coaching. Um, I went through that program. And then throughout that year, my boxing business started to fall by the wayside and my coaching business started to flourish and take off. Um, And I've been doing it full-time pretty much ever since. And then when you did the coaching program was that in you were in Canada at that point yeah I was in Canada so I moved here yeah December of 2016 and it was within like two weeks I think I was googling a a, different places I went to all sorts of different uh, organizations universities which I never knew that universities would run life coaching programs Um, and within two weeks of me landing in Canada I was in a workshop and I knew that that was the place for me okay so when people hear life coaching, I think people have different op- opinions and different feelings about what that means. And you're, yeah. you're laughing because I think that you're like, oh, yeah, like mm-hmm. I've heard people be skeptical about it. Totally. Well, I think that I think the the biggest controversy with life coaches is that people want the right answer. They're searching for the right answer everywhere, the right nutrition, the right training program, right? Like you see it in the diet world all the time. What's the right answer? Yeah. And people want to think that there is somebody with the right answers out there for their life. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. But there are a lot of people that think they have the right answers that will go out and advertise themselves as a life coach. And people will hire these people thinking they have the right answers and it often doesn't work. So the nuance with life coaching to make it 
really, really successful is that a really good life coach is really well trained. They have their own coach because they're working on their own stuff and they empower their clients to figure their stuff out for themselves. I like the use of stuff. Yes. Yes. I'm being polite. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I totally understand that. And, you know, from having spoken to you before, it's not just a do this, do that answer. It's like you need to come to the conclusions. Yes. And I feel like people sell this and sell life coaching as I have the answers. Yeah. And they're usually really good marketers as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that made me think of something. But yes, that's a very good point. And they are good marketers and they're, and they're good at selling themselves or selling their pitch or whatever, but they're not necessarily. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know, like the people I've talked to who have been in the life coaching world, just it feels like there's a big sell and no like payoff. Yeah. And I think that that can, that can be the case for, I mean, we could use any industry, right? Like any industry we could be saying the exact same things about, but it's, it's frustrating. You know, I um, was joking with a friend recently. I was, you know, doing the scroll through one of the social media platforms and there was a ad there that said, become a certified life life coach for $7. What? Become a certified life coach for $7. It's like a week. Yeah. But like $7 period or like $7 per month or $7 per day for 3,000 days. $7 period. There's like an online program. And this is the part that I just said about marketing. And it's a great business model. If you're not, I think, and maybe someone out there could prove me wrong. But I think that if you don't really care so much about results and you want volume based, a volume based business, Mm -hmm. then selling a $7 program to 100,000 people pretty profitable business, especially if you've got a little course that you can follow online. That's evergreen. Yeah. It's a really great business model, but it's not necessarily life coaching. So you can't become a certified life coach in seven days. Not with the ICF. You can't, which is the international coach federation, which would be our governing body if we were regulated, but we're not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess that's probably another factor is people wondering about that is that it's not like regulated in that way. No. But I don't think it matters if you find the right person and if you find the right, right. coach mm-hmm. with a lot of these professions, like you could have somebody that has every certification under the umbrella or you could have somebody that asks the right questions and gets the right answer or not get the right answers, but leads you mm-hmm. to the answers that you need. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And really profound questioning usually comes from people having done their own work, right? I've been a coach for five and a half years now. I've also been coached every single week or at least 44 to 45 sessions per year, every year in the space of that time. In That's a lot of sessions. It's a lot of coaching sessions. It's a lot of looking at myself as to why I'm creating the life that I'm creating and the breakdowns that I'm creating, why things not working out the way that I want them to Mm -hmm. because of something over here. And that's my job as somebody who's a purveyor of the work to be doing my work so that I can support other people to do the same. Yeah. And I mean, this has predominantly been a health and fitness podcast and we can just tie that Mm -hmm. back into like, that's like your, your CrossFit coach not working out for themselves. Yeah, well, it would be a CrossFit coach not doing any training or worrying about their life inside of a fitness capacity at all. And if you're a competitive person, Mm -hmm. if they have never done any type of training or education around competition or training to compete, then it would be really difficult for that person to be able to sell a service and ensure some sort of result. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, coming back to you and the, the work that you've done for yourself, you're spending tons of energy, not just on being able to vocalize your craft, but also to internalize it and do the work on yourself. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, it's interesting. I have conversations with uh, colleagues in this space all the time of um, <laughs> when my clients are in their really biggest, darkest breakdowns, Sometimes I ask myself, is this something I should have warned them about? 
now I know because I've been through the gauntlet enough times of realizing some difficult reality about myself and the way I'm being petulant or pissy or unfair or unkind and being able to take radical responsibility for it. And when I create the same reflections for my clients, I sometimes wonder, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have warned them that it was going to get this hard because the other misconception about coaching is that there's like all these, you know, you see it all the time on a, uh, I won't name anyone specific, but you see it all the time in big marketing of people that do really big events that are in the coaching space. And it seems really uh, rainbows and butterflies. Like you have these big breakthroughs and then your life's kind of perfect. And that's not really how it is. I mean, yeah, you have a breakthrough, but then you're kind of onto the next breakdown to generate your next breakthrough. And it really is a cycle of leveling yourself up over and over and over again. And the work that I continue to do on myself allows my clients to have more and more space to have more of that for them too. I, I kind of like that. And I, I tie that back to training and how I train people. It's like, it's yeah. like constant peaks and valleys that, that keep improving, mm -hmm. but there are those valleys where you drop back down being taking time off from training injury, whatever, but yeah. almost never do you reset past or regress past where you started from. Yeah. Exactly. It's almost impossible to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And we, that's uh, actually, it didn't come from me, but uh, one of the, it's actually the CEO of accomplishment coaching. I um, believe it was him that said that breakthroughs are unrecoverable, that you can't like to your point, you can't go back to which hmm. where you started, that yeah. you're only ever taking maybe a lateral step to the side and then continuing to move forward. I like that one. Yeah. Um, okay. So over the years now that you've, treated sorry you've worked on this for yourself you've built your business here how did you go from teaching boxing classes to working with these multi-million dollar uh ceos in yeah. the corporate world like there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect there but not entirely like there is a, a connecting path here but how did that transition work for you yeah so the uh, so I started with coaching the women. I thought that I was going to be a women's empowerment coach. That's where I thought I in, would end up going. And then throughout the course of my transformation as a coach, I actually started attracting a lot of very successful people. And these people were very driven. They knew how to work hard. They appeared to, you know, the people on the outside of them as pretty confident Um brilliant right a lot of people would say that these people were particularly smart but they always felt like they were missing something they were missing some satisfaction or some real fulfillment in their lives and as I was beginning to transition out of the boxing coaching and starting to coach all these other people I recognized a similarity in myself that called me forward to actually being more satisfied with my own life um which is actually how i started getting into crossfit which is the um world in which i met you in that there was something missing about my relationship with myself and crossfit's actually a fertile ground for where i created that confidence so i was one of these people that was terrified of going to classes i was pretty terrified of working out pretty much in front of anybody so i ended up hiring a coach i had a personal trainer who i still train with now and I started with just one session a week. And at the time, even though I was starting to coach these people that were far successful, far more successful than I was, I recognized that I needed a foundation to actually build myself forward. And I, just to be clear, at this point, I didn't know that I would be coaching multimillionaire CEOs. Mm -hmm. that, that wasn't actually even a direction that I thought that I was going to be going. At this point, I'm still thinking that I'm going to be this coach for women. Um, but what I needed to create was some non-negotiables that I empowered to get me to where it was that I thought that I wanted to go. And that was a personal trainer. I needed to pay for rent. I needed to have a therapist, good food, those sorts of things. Good food. Good food. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just eating like eggs and, and bread all the time, which, which was a part of my story at one point. Um, but the grit and the determination that it took from starting off you know, learning how to train as a CrossFit athlete and dialing in my nutrition and doing all of these sorts of things that made me have a better life started to give me this feeling of satisfaction and fulfillment in my life that ultimately came 
from transforming my relationship with myself because if I thought that I was worth something like a personal trainer and and this lifestyle where I didn't see training as a luxury but something that I wanted to work for so that I could have no matter what it it gave me a and I don't know what the x factor would be but it gave me something that I didn't have before maybe it was more self-love or self-confidence or something like that Mm-hmm. And I th- and I think that that foundation is what started the transition into starting to coach some of these people that had achieved massive success. Um, well, I, I think I want to check. Does that is that starting to paint a picture as to how I got into it? Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think it all starts started. A lot of this just comes back to you starting with yourself and then building from there. Yeah, like yeah, a lot of this. A lot of the points that you've made have been, I worked on this myself. I worked on things that I needed to be successful first. And then that allowed me to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was actually something that you said earlier on um, was if you find, yeah, if you find the right coach for you, mm-hmm. you're going to get what it is that you needed. And that was what I found. It wasn't even just about finding the right thing. It was getting the the fit for me that I was willing to empower so that I could create what it was that I wanted. And that in of itself is something that I take into working with my clients. So, you know, whether they're people that are really into sports and fitness or they're some kind of athlete, uh, as well as creating these massive businesses, that becomes the point in which we're talking about what are you willing to empower to create the success that you want to experience in your world. Yeah. And this can apply to everything. Like you just said, like this isn't just business. This could be, this is every person in every situation. Yeah. Whether you're, whether you're a parent, whether you run a successful business, whether you're just starting out, I think anything, anytime that um, somebody's willing to start something new to start at the bottom, to essentially suck at something, to learn, to, fail and start again i think that there's a lot of courage in that right like somebody that's built a massive amount of success and they're in their comfort zone with where they've created are they willing to step out of that and create something brand new that's a really hard thing to do and i think there's a lot of fear in that for people yeah absolutely there is starting yeah go sorry no no what were we saying i was going to say that starting at the bottom is something that i don't think that we give ourselves I don't know whether it's enough self-awareness or enough grace for, but we, in my experience of people starting starting something new or sucking at something is the way that I like to describe it, I don't think we recognize that that's what we're doing. We think automatically, maybe without this being like a conscious sentence, that if we're doing something and we're meant to be good at it, we should be good at it right away. just doesn't work like that no it doesn't work like that at all but (laughs) i think we always have this high expectations of ourselves of like we expect to be good at this skill movement job whatever right away even though we kind of have no business being good at it or we have no foundation for being good at it yeah absolutely now people can come into that in any walk of life if it's a job working in construction or if it's somebody who's, you know, was a former varsity athlete who's starting a new sport. Like there are different building blocks that people have, but they're not going to necessarily get you to the highest floor right away. You're going to probably start at the ground floor or we're going to start somewhere in the middle and have to build up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now with that and with people who, who have like high expectations like that, that, I mean, you're working with, that you're dealing with, how do you cause that reset for their thought process in order to be able to grow? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, The way that I work is by showing people what it is that they're doing by reflecting how they're being about stuff. So I'm trained as an ontological coach. Ontology is just a fancy Greek word for the study of somebody's being. So you might look at that as behavior, but with that particular behavior, it comes with a certain energy. Easy way that I like to describe it is you and all of the people that are listening have probably 
been in the experience where someone has been late for something that they were involved in and that somebody has said, hey, I'm so sorry for being late. But there's this residual feeling of I don't actually think they care that they're late and they're just saying it because you're meant to be apologetic for being late when you should have been here on time. Mm -hmm. And that experience when the thing that they're doing doesn't actually match up with the way that they're being is the thing that I reflect to people. So for example, if somebody was, uh, well, it's an experience that I have all the time and people come to me to create this shift. So uh, for example, really successful business owner, um, family, kids, knows exactly what there is for them to do to have more time on their hands. They want more freedom in their life. And they keep saying, I know what there is to do. I just, I don't know why I'm not doing it. And so the opportunity for me to do is to reflect what they're saying. It's like, did you hear what you said? Well, I said, I know what to do. I, I'm just not doing it. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, this is a real like basic uh, example, but from them saying, I, I just not doing it. Well, what do you see that there is for you to do? Well, then they might do it. Then we might create some accountability by when will you do the thing? And it starts to show them as they go out into their world outside of the sessions that I have with them, they start to see the way that they're acting in their life and they get to bring back more information. Like, well, I went to do it and I had this thing in my head saying, you're going to fail at this. Why would you try? And then we start working on that. And it takes on um, a snowball effect of people really starting to take a look at why they're not doing the things that they know to do. And it's usually because of something that they feel is lacking in themselves or that isn't right with them or the way that other people are going to perceive and things that they're going to be suspected for. So they get in their own way. A lot of this is around self-sabotage and like self-defeating thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And they're almost always subconscious until you start facing them in a way that has you take a look at them. And you have to know to look for them as well. That's a great point. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that I think for a lot of people is is a very hard thing to do because a lot of things they do are unconscious where they're not ready to look for a problem because they don't think there's a problem. Or they know that there's a problem and they are in denial for themselves. This is something that I say about adults all the time is that there, there are no consequences for us. For example, you could say on Monday, I'm starting a diet. Mm-hmm. And on Monday, if you don't start the diet, what's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing yeah. will happen. Yeah. Where if you're at home and you're a child and you're and you're living with your parents and your parents say, I need you to clean your room by the end of day on Monday and it's not done, there are usually consequences. And so kids will, and obviously this is not the, the way that it always goes, but if there is a consequence, kids are typically going to do it, especially if the consequence is bad enough. But us as adults, we don't typically put in enough consequences for us to do the thing that is uncomfortable, that we don't feel like it or isn't a habit yet. So we don't do it. Yeah. And those things that we don't do is it's the result of what we were just describing. Yeah. What does it mean about me? Well, if I do it and it turns out a certain way, what will people think or suspect about me? And I have no doubt that people in competition and sports such as CrossFit would see that all the time. Anybody that's just been going to classes in a CrossFit box and then they want to start going to the open and competing, I can, I can only imagine the type of things that they're thinking. And then for them to go to a live competition. And then when you think about elite athletes, there's things that the people that are going to the CrossFit Games that there's things that they know that they need to do, whether it's in their marriage or their personal lives or with their parents that they probably aren't doing because it's not there in their wheelhouse. It's not their habit, whatever that might be. So much to digest there. Where do you want to start? Oh, we can. Yay. So, I mean, no, but those are all very good points. And I mean, not to just tie it back, everything back to CrossFit. I mean, this is very much just every aspect of life, but like what you said is, is very true. I think it's a lot of the self-sabotage and a lot of the self-doubt as to why somebody wouldn't make that first step or, you know, something as simple as, Oh, I only did two of the three workouts in the open. So I don't know how I actually did. Yeah. Just something like that where like, Oh yeah. Like I stubbed my toe that day. So I just decided to push it off, but I would have done this. And then that would have put me about this placement. Yeah. 
because you know like i've worked in a crossfit gym i've worked around crossfit gyms for the last 10 years and uh you see that a lot and not just from your average joes in the open but you see that from the people who are highly competitive who don't necessarily i think a lot of it is they're afraid to be compared to their peers or afraid mm -hmm. to see what that direct comparison is like in that competitive environment yeah yeah and another one that i noticed too especially this year with all the competitions that have been going on is the the level of vulnerability that people will not allow themselves to experience by showing that they really care about how they do even yeah. in a competition such as the open like yeah god forbid you should care too much or actually train for the open even if you're going to come 555,000th in the scale division mm -hmm. but for some reason there is this piece about protecting our it's like protecting our humanity by making out like we don't really care when we really do and i think the less that somebody seems to care about it the more they probably seem to care or the more they actually care i think the more they actually care is a very valid yeah. point yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and that's a really interesting one too and i'm sure you can kind of do a little quick self-diagnosis of everybody listening or everybody listening can do a little self-diagnosis of themselves <laughs> to see like if that's a true statement or not because i know for a fact that there's lots of people listening who that's a very true statement for yeah yeah and it's just to protect our feelings people yeah. you know it's um yeah, I mean, vulnerability is like a massive conversation that we could get into as far as the level of willingness that we're actually going to let somebody see us care about something or fail at something or even be really great at something. Self-sabotage yeah. isn't just to make sure that you don't suck. Self-sabotage comes in when you don't want to be really good at it, say something as well. Okay, go into that more. Well, it occurs on all ends of the spectrum. Like you could be the most talented individual. Okay, well, let's use let's use CrossFit for example. And and you and anyone else listening may know someone like this. Mm -hmm. Genetically really talented. Maybe they've been really experienced in the sport. They've done a bunch of other athletic endeavors. But they just won't get their nutrition right. They want to eat KFC or Wendy's or they want to eat tacos every single day and they won't dial it in so that they can actually create the performance that would be congruent with the level of athleticism that they have or the mm -hmm. potential that they have. There is this fear of being really, really great at something because then there's only one way to fall. That's, that's one part of it. Some people don't want the light on them because again, I keep going back to this and it's, you know, it's really is the basic part of my work is that if the light suddenly gets shone on somebody and then they're at the mercy of other people's opinions and judgments of them. And now tying back that into with the people you work with in yeah. some of the businesses and entrepreneurial endeavors, mm -hmm. do you see that as being a thing that they're also afraid of? Is it a very similar yeah. cycle? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the same. Like you know, there's this cliche saying how you do one thing is how you do everything. Now the isness of that isn't totally true, but there is a parallel that where you do something, you probably got the same or similar sized muscle that you will create the exact same behavior pretty much anywhere else in your life. So you know, you could look at it. So that same person that we just used that example of, let's say they were also a business owner. And they were pretty good. Let's say they, you know, they had an income enough to sustain them, but they had the possibility and the desire and intention to actually scale their business and be bringing in way more money because they, what they wanted to do was help kids in Cambodia because there's an organization down there that they want to partner with or something like that. I'm just being hypothetical and making this up. But it's very likely that that same person that is afraid of being really, really great in one arena may have the same self-sabotage habits and patterns to get in the way of their business getting any bigger. Mm -hmm. And also the other side of the coin is true is that you might be really comfortable being on a big stage in one area of your life, but not the other. That's an interesting one. Cause you hear about, you know, people who want to be the best, like the Michael Jordans that, and they want to be the best at everything they touch. 
Yeah. You know, if it's cards, if it's basketball, if it's business, they want to be the best at everything they touch. But you're saying now that there's a lot of fear around people who maybe were super successful in one endeavor and are, you know, afraid to fail at another. Yeah. And, and look like to, just to caveat something is that there are nuances for all of this. Like there isn't, isn't this like if it, it's just this way and the way that I'm describing it, there are many different ways that people show up in the world. Mm -hmm. The one thing that is consistent is that it is always about them. That's the one thing that never changes, no matter what the situation is. And someone might be listening, might be like, well, I'm not worried about the way that I get perceived by other people. Yeah. I'm worried about the way that my parents are going to perceive me. That's different. It's like, well, no, it's not. It's always about you. And yeah. it, it's always a self-preservation thing. We want to stay safe. It's it's part of our nature. We're human beings and we have self-defense mechanisms for a reason. It's to keep us safe. So how do we break down those self-defense mechanisms then? Yeah. Okay. So this is not any particular strategy, but the yeah. first thing that you need to be able to do is you have to be able to recognize them. Okay. And the first, and this is a, you know, a real tell for anybody that's willing to take a look at themselves in this particular fashion is if you start defending the reason that you're doing anything, get really curious about that thing that you're defending. Really curious about the thing that you're getting defensive about, because if you're defending it, it's probably because it's at risk of being found out to be something else that you probably don't want it to be. So that's step one, being really willing to actually take a look and recognize the behavior. The second thing is to practice noticing it and then doing something about it. So if you notice, what's an example that we can use? Oh, let's, let's make it something really simple, like nutrition. Monday, I don't know why Monday is always the day, but Monday is the day that we're going to start a new diet. Yeah. And then mo Monday gets closer and closer. It's Saturday, it's Sunday. You start noticing that every single week you're, not, you, you're meant to go to the grocery store, but you don't. Meant to go to the grocery store to buy your groceries so that you can do your meal prep or get your food organized or whatever it might be. But you keep finding other things to do. Oh, the wall needed to be painted. I needed to uh, uh, mow the grass. Uh, definitely needed to get a few naps in this weekend. I don't normally nap, but this weekend I needed to get my naps in. Somebody that was taking on this work would start recognizing that behavior and calling themselves out on it. Oh, I'm doing that thing that gets in the way of me just going to the supermarket so that I can get my nutrition dialed in. So then they would actually choose to do something different. And it might need to be something in the moment. Like if you're going to say, I'll do it later, you will always, always be doing it later. If you think about doing something, you probably need to do it in the moment. So if you start to go, mow, you know, you're starting to mow the grass, you're about to fire it up, you're pulling on the little thingy that makes it go. Somebody let me know what that word is. Um, you would stop, you'd put it down, you'd put it back in the shed, you'd go get in your car and you'd go straight to the grocery store. You actually need to break the habit because this is what someone would do. Oh, I can see I'm doing the thing. I'm about to mow the grass when I should be at the grocery store. I'll go afterwards. Well, after you've mown the grass, you're tired. Yeah. Why would you go to the grocery store after you're tired and you're all sweaty and you smell like dirt and gasoline? So you don't do it. But it really is this like breaking up the pattern and the cycle that you would typically fall into to really change some stuff up. And you know, I could get into so much stuff of how this would typically go, then your family will start to notice and there'll be an impact there and you'll need to communicate what you're doing and your friends and all of these other aspects that come into breaking a cycle in a pattern. This all sounds like, well, sorry, as you're saying these things, I'm like, oh, I can apply this to my life in many ways. I can apply this to my life in many ways. <laughs> yeah. Can you think of one thing, like one thing that you know that you're not doing? Yeah. I don't want to say it on that. here, but you don't want to say? Okay. <laughs> no. Oh no, no. Like I, yeah. When it comes to, I, I procrastinate really well when it comes to certain things and tasks that I have to do. Is and it one that you're willing to share? No. I mean, can you make something up? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, make... yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I okay. can talk about it. There's times where when I'm doing my programming for athletes that mm -hmm. I push it off at times. Okay, like I'm going to do it after dinner. I'm going to do it after this. And then I look at the time like, oh, I'm tired. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and I, I put it off not because I don't want to do it. Um, 
yeah, like, you know, maybe it's a, it's a fear of it not being perfect or if it's a fear of it not, you know, meeting the standards I want it to meet, or I just want to be in this really good headspace when I do it, whatever it is, it ends up, I think that <laughs> hopefully none of these guys yeah. listen to this. This no, but I, yeah, I know. But I think that it's from a place of like, I, you know, I typically do my programming on Sundays mm-hmm. and I want my Sundays back. And I've been doing this programming on Sundays for the last, what year is it? Like six, seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I should, I should better organize my schedule so that Fridays are my, my day or Wednesdays are my day to program for the next week or whatever it may be. But it's typically been Sunday. And it continues to be Sunday until I I change that. So what's in the way of you changing it? Nothing. I just need to go and sit down and do it and block the time off. There's nothing actually in the way. But there is, otherwise you would have done it already. Laziness. Procrastination. Sure. But if you were looking at laziness as a symptom. Mm. I think it's just like this habit of procrastination of like this task isn't due until Monday. So I will wait until Sunday to do it. Yeah. And do you get that same feeling, that same pushing it off? And I mean, I'm going to use the word exciting, but there's like some energy around it. Do you notice that same experience every Sunday when you need to do your programming? Yeah. Yeah. So the, so what's, it's not, it's not necessarily different, but the thing that I would provide for you around that is that that's just become your habit. Yeah. And that's from something way back. Like we don't even need to get into it, but that's just a habit that you've actually formed because you enjoy that feeling. Now that's going deep. Cause this is the thing, right? So we'll stop making this about you and we'll make this about everybody else that does that. Cause it's probably like over 50% of your audience is that there is nothing exciting about doing shit on time. There's nothing exciting about being on time. There's nothing exciting about paying all your taxes on time or getting things done ahead of schedule so that you can sit around and relax. Mm -hmm. There's nothing exciting about that. But to keep our lives interesting, we do things that create this experience of having an exciting life because a normal healthy life is actually kind of boring. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that statement. Now there's nothing wrong with that, but we have demonized the word boring a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a coach of mine that I um, have been working with for, for years uh, since I started this journey said to me once, you might consider that boredom is access to peace. Say that again. Say that quote one more time. You might consider that boredom is access to peace. Boredom is access to peace. Okay. Interesting. Like what if you actually gave yourself the opportunity to have nothing to do on a Sunday because everything was organized? I don't know what that would feel like. Yeah. And it's outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And that's why you keep putting it off. Yeah. Interesting. So would you mind uh, working with me on this a little bit to demonstrate what we were just talking about? Right now? Yeah, it's real simple. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. So what is one thing, just one thing that you can do to interrupt your pattern of procrastinating doing your programming? On Sundays or in general? Just whenever you notice, like that second that you notice the procrastination. For example, you could get off recording this podcast Yeah. and you could think, I'm going to do my programming because I just talked to Michelle and it was inspiring. And then you start to procrastinate in that moment. What is one thing that you can do that would shake up that pattern? Just to start. Okay. Like you're saying, is that what you're saying? Like just to shake it up. Like if I just said, okay, no, I'm going to go and start right now. I'm going to, I'm going to like write when the next Monday through Friday or whatever for client number one. Sure. You can do that, but I would also I would also say for you to actually shake it up to actually do something specific. And it could be, you know, I get my clients doing some pretty crazy shit, but you could do something like do three star jumps and then go and do it. Like how often do you do star jumps in your living room? 
hey, I might hit my head here, but. Ever? Have you ever done a star jump? No. no. Exactly. So you're you're actually doing something that is is visceral. It's cathartic with your body yeah. where you're shaking it up. Mm-hmm. And then go and do the thing. So you're just saying give yourself something. Give yourself some mm-hmm. sort of trigger, some sort yeah. of new release, and yeah. then go and do the thing. That takes like a second. It okay. could be, you know, I had one client once and um, his wife thanked me a little bit, <laughs> a little bit later down the line, not right away. She wasn't totally thrilled about it, but it, he came to me with the same thing. And what he needed to do was <laughs> he'd clench up his fists and he would scream for three seconds and then he would do the thing that he was procrastinating. He'd actually let the energy move through his body. And that's why I'm saying doing something, like actually do yeah. something and literally shake it up. So star jumps, he would go like this, ah, and then he would scream. He's doing something with the energy in his body because it's exciting and it feels cool and it's normal for him. Mm-hmm. And then he's going and doing the thing that he needs to that he needs to do, emptying the dishwasher or something. Yeah. And you that could was do it. a roly poly. Yeah, anything like that. It's it's anything to break the pattern. Now, if you were somebody, if I, you know, if you were a client and we were having a coaching session, you're like, Michelle, I always do star jumps in my kitchen. Okay, well, let's not do that because that's something that's on your cycle that you're used to doing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that as a tip. And I think that's a good tip for people out there. Like how to break the pattern is get yourself outside of it. Yeah. Like in a completely different way. Yeah. Star jumps. Star jumps, star jumps are the answer now. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. So what does, what does Michelle do for her pattern breaking? Uh, I have a plastic puree bottle that I use to smash my kitchen counter with. That's what I do. A plastic Purell bottle? Puree. Like the, uh, oh, Perrier. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, water like bottle. Sparkling it's like water. A big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's plastic. It doesn't do any damage. My kitchen counter is a hard surface of some sort of rock. I beat yeah. that up. Okay. Not it's anybody else. Dis- not no, anybody no, no, definitely else. not anybody else. And just to be really clear, these practices, if you're willing to take them on, you hear Justin and Michelle talking about screaming and doing other sorts of things. If you live with people in your house and you're planning on doing it while there are other people in your house, you may want to give them a warning. <laughs> we do exist with other human beings in the world. Yeah. So don't just start beating your kitchen counter or screaming into a pillow or whatever it might be. Yeah. Make sure they know what's coming before you start. Yeah. Um, with that, do you think that, um, I mean, probably almost everybody has a behavior that they can identify in that way and associate something with. Everyone has a, say that one more time. Everyone has Everybody a has a behavior that they could associate this, this like pattern change, this breaking oh, yeah. of a pattern with. Yeah, it could be, any, it could be anything. It could be um, uh, getting your hair done. My hair really, I really need a haircut. I haven't had a haircut for six, you know, COVID's a good point. You, you know, the amount of people that didn't get the haircut that then procrastinated about getting the haircut. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I had some sweet long hair during COVID. Yeah, so I was about to say you made you might have been one of them. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 something as simple as that. Personal hygiene is a big one. Personal yeah. hygiene is a huge one. Yeah, if you're really comfy and you're laying in bed and you've been watching Netflix, you're really tired. Are you the person that's prone to not getting up and brushing your teeth before you go to sleep, even though you know that you should because earlier you were eating sugar and you may be getting a cavity. It comes down to the smallest things that we just decide to put off. Yeah. Yeah. I can safely say it's been years since I've put off brushing my teeth before bed. Intentionally. <laughs> nice. I, uh, yeah, but this is not about me. That's a no. good point. Yeah. And, and it could be anything right from like paying your taxes on time to going and getting that workout in or doing that extra work that your coach prescribed you that you just can't be bothered doing. Mm-hmm building that business that you know that's there for you to build because you've been talking about it for five years and your friends keep saying, you've been talking about that for five years. Yeah. I think I've been on this kick of like, if I am trying to pursue something, I'm just going to start doing a little bit of it. Yeah. But 
I feel like there is a fear there of like not getting started because you're afraid of failing. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a, a bit of like complacency of like, I'm happy with this thing in my life. Yeah. And it could be like, I'm happy with this little thing, but then all this big stuff I'm not happy with. Yeah. And instead of like that little trickle down of like, okay, well, this is the first step to change the big stuff. I just stay in my comfort zone. Yeah. And I've been on this path of, of thinking about those things and trying to just pursue them and just like, I'm just going to start doing it. And you know, what's funny is like, that's my, that was my approach to my photography was like, I, one day I just opened a new account on Instagram and just started posting all my photography and all that. And I was like, nope, see what happens. Nice. And that's kind of changed a lot of things in my life. Yes. So I think that, uh, I need to continue with that pattern breaking in that kind of a way and just starting to pursue things. Yeah. And this is, this is something else that, that might be valuable for yourself and the people that are listening that if you already have a for sure way that you have broken something like that, or maybe you're really good at starting things and doing that trickle thing. I don't know. But if, if you have a way that you're successful with, then use that as an access point for the next thing that you're going to do. Mm -hmm. like little trickly things. I know that there was a period of time when I was in London that I really wanted to be working out and with the type of job that I had, I really needed to be working. Like I needed to get up at 4am. I needed to be working out by about 5am. I needed to be home by 7, 7.30 so that I could be at work by nine. Like there was the way that it, it was. Yeah. Now, when I sat there at night thinking about the training that I was going to do the next day, the waking out really early, the eating the food, the traveling to the gym and then working out and then traveling home. It seemed like this big task. So what I did is I, for a whole week, I just got up at the time that I wanted to get up if I were to go into the gym. And then I ate breakfast, drank coffee, watched a show or something. Hmm. Then the next week I did the same thing, but I actually went to the gym and I just walked on a treadmill, walked on a treadmill for a week. And then it wasn't until the third week that I actually started taking on some sort of programming or some sort of program that I was doing in the gym. And I needed like a three week runway so that it wasn't too overwhelming for me to get training. So this was like seven, six or seven years ago now, mm -hmm. but it was so daunting for me to do that. And this cycle has been totally broken now, you know, thanks to my coach and CrossFit, but I would do that thing where people would be like, need to get back in the gym again. I need yeah. to get back in the gym again. And that's a thing of the past for me. But the way that I actually got myself into the gym was giving myself kind of like what you're saying is that trickling so that it can turn into a trajectory into something different, but it needed to start slow baby steps. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I like that. So if somebody wanted to get started with somebody like yourself, mm -hmm. what's the best way to start? What's the, how do you meet someone like you or how do you find mm -hmm. a coach like you? Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple of different ways. If you don't know anyone that's ever worked with a coach off offhand, I would actually start talking to people that you're looking for somebody. I think that people would be surprised how many people in their world were actually working with some sort of coach, whether it's a business coach, life coach, performance coach, something of that description, and then get word of mouth referrals. I always find that they're the best because then there's some credibility for the coach. And we've already talked about the coaching industry uh, a little while ago. So, the, yeah. the, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're being safe and there are some very good salespeople out there. So make sure that you're doing your due diligence, which would look like asking your friends first, talking to people that you know that you're looking for a coach, you're looking to create XYZ, have that in mind too of what it actually is that you want to create with a coach. Um, mm -hmm. Failing that, get on Google and look around. Like you can go into Google and you got life coach search and you can start looking for people. And this is the, this is the way that I tell everybody to find a coach. Google search, interview at least three to four people and make sure that that person has either been through some sort of extensive training and or has a coach of their own and has been working with a coach of their own as they've been working with other people and then interview those people. I think it's really important that you are getting medicine from a doctor that also takes medicine. And you're saying interview them, not them interview you. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think, awesome. I think, I think it's a safe way for people to get into a relationship with somebody that they're going to be safe in and then they're going to um, feel like the investment yeah. is worth it. I like that. It's also, yeah. I don't know. I just laugh because that's like, that's like dating. You know, you go on a first couple <laughs> dates and you're like, you're like interviewing each other, like doing the breakdown of things. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. We could talk about that for an hour too, but we won't get into that. Oh, we, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> no, we don't. All right. On that note, I'm going to let you go, but where can everybody find you? Um, we have Michelle Aubrey coaching on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Aubrey on Facebook. Michelle Aubrey on LinkedIn and my website is michelleaubrey.com. Awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. And I thank hope you. everybody enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. All right. Have a great week, guys. With the Wadproof Pro Experience, you'll get instant access to training programs from some of the best coaches on the planet. From full training programs in the gym and at home to movement-specific programs for weightlifting, gymnastics, engine, endurance, rowing, and more. We have a program that is designed for your needs, whether you are a beginner or a pro. Every training session introduces a series of questions. Am I happy with my performance? Where could I have gone faster? When will I be ready to go again? For Wadproof Pro athletes, also this question. What can I learn from that workout? With a Wadproof Pro subscription, you gain access to a complete training toolbox. From a full-featured exercise log, to side-by-side -side comparisons, to the ability to record your heart rate right alongside your rounds and reps. You have at your fingertips everything you need to learn, to make progress, and to go into tomorrow's training more prepared than today's. The best athletes are the best students. And with your Wadproof Pro subscription, you will have in your pocket the education you need to elevate your training and uncover the many lessons that every single workout offers you. Subscribe today so you can get better tomorrow.